Now, White Sox Weekly, the official weekly talk show covering all things White Sox baseball. Get the fireworks ready. White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890. Welcome into White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight, and boy, do we have plenty of news to get to as the White Sox just loaded up on things Friday for us. So we got a jam-packed show for you this Sunday afternoon. Before we get too far down the line, though, you can give the gift of White Sox baseball this holiday season. White Sox holiday packs include ticket vouchers redeemable for 66 great games in 2018 and start at just $29. Each order is shipped with a decorative card and White Sox nutcracker ornament. Visit WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs for more information or to order yours today. The website again, WhiteSox.com slash holiday packs. So lots to do on the show today. Friday night, the deadline was 7 o'clock to tender contracts to controlled players, and the White Sox did not tender contracts to four players. We'll tell you who those are in just a couple of minutes in case you missed the news earlier. And the White Sox added two players in free agency, a catcher and a reliever. We're not holding anything back. You probably know who they are, but for the sake of the old radio tease, let me tell you what else we have going on in the show this afternoon before we get into the nitty-gritty, right? We're going to get back to the series that we've been running almost all off-season. We've taken a week or two off here or there over the Thanksgiving week. We aired a few more interviews from our Arizona Fall League trip. We took a break for the White Sox Oral History Show that you can go ahead and, and download if you want. We did a whole show looking back at Orlando Hernandez getting out of the bases-loaded jam against the Red Sox in 2005. I, I thought it was a ton of fun. It's always been a moment that stuck out in my mind. You can go back and download that show and any other show, interviews, topics, whatever. WLSAM.com slash White Sox. WLSAM.com slash White Sox. Just click on the White Sox Weekly tab and all of our shows are downloadable as podcasts. And I'll put this here because there's no better place to put it. We really appreciate you guys going back and downloading and listening to the show. I know a lot of you have. We actually we get emails when we reach certain marks of downloads and you guys are great and it's really cool that you're enjoying the shows it lets us know that we're hopefully doing a, a decent job with it we're always looking to be your source for a little white Sox rumination here on the weekends during the off season and thanks so much for listening we really truly appreciate it and we're looking forward to seeing everybody at Sox fest at the end of january so the review preview series will roll on. We'll be in left field this afternoon. That means a lot of talk about Melky Cabrera. That means a lot of talk about Nicky Delmonico. And we'll go into the minors a bit to pontificate on perhaps a prospect or two. But a lot of the White Sox prospects outfield-wise right now are a little more center field and right field. We're looking at you, Aloy Jimenez, than they are in left. That said... We're going to get to a lot of those guys in the next two weeks, too, at center field and, and right field. The GM meetings are coming up real quick. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn, though, has already struck, as a few general managers have, but not many. The White Sox agreed to terms with two free agent players on Friday. Wellington Castillo, a catcher who worked for Baltimore last year and had a pretty darn good season. 282 average, 20 home runs, 
uh, was able to drive in a handful of runs, a 490 slugging percentage, and a pretty good, actually a major league best, 44.4% caught stealing. He caught 20 of 45 attempted base runners last year, second among American League catchers in batting average, fourth in homers and in slugging percentage. So the White Sox have gotten themselves a pretty good bat to fit behind the plate. Um, Rick Hahn talking a bit with uh, White Sox reporters on a conference call, just kind of sum it up a little bit. He said Wellington Castillo can benefit the Sox in both the short term and the long term, and that he's been one of the more productive catchers over the last couple of seasons. Uh, Obviously, you want a guy that's able to work with some of the young pitchers and some of the young catchers in that White Sox camp when we get to spring training. And during the regular season, as the White Sox break in, Reynaldo Lopez, Lucas Giolito, perhaps Carson Fulmer, and who knows, at some point next year, maybe even the fire-throwing Michael Kopech will be up at the major league level for the White Sox, and Wellington Castillo will be working with him. Castillo gets a two-year, $15 million deal. There is a club option for 2020. It's seven and a quarter for 18 and 19, and it's an $8 million option for 2020. I wouldn't concern yourself with the financials all that much. Next season's free agency, obviously, with um, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper and you know, big, big names out there next winter. That's when the big fish are going to be thrown around in free agency for a lot of different teams. And whether the White Sox are in or out of that, I don't know that Wellington Castillo's $7.25 million necessarily means you're in or out one way or the other. Worth noting about Castillo, too, is this defensively last season was really kind of a turnaround for him behind the plate. Pitch framing numbers had not been good to him the last couple of years, but with Baltimore last year, things really started to tick up. And you have to remember, too, Wellington was dealing with a really, really awful Baltimore Orioles pitching staff last year. So he maybe gets even a little extra credit for the numbers he was able to pop up. He's going to be 31, so expecting a catcher like that who, albeit was in a timeshare and perhaps with um, Caleb Joseph, so maybe he's got a little bit more tread on the tires than other 31-year-old catchers, but then again it is, you know, catching. If he's able to to, to kind of round things around defensively the way he had, and the White Sox seem to see something there out of him. Rick Hahn also mentioned that, you know, he'd been looking at Wellington Castillo. The White Sox had talks with Wellington going into last season. They ended up signing Giovanni Soto instead when Wellington Castillo went to Baltimore. There's some love, it seems, between Wellington Castillo, the White Sox, and certainly Ricky Renneria. Castillo was, quite frankly, effusive in his praise of Ricky Renneria when he was talking about coming over to the White Sox and being a part of this organization and being a part of this club. So... If the defense rounds out a bit, it may indeed be that some of the young White Sox hurlers are working with uh, with a guy who can steal them an extra pitch or two, a guy who can help the development from that end of the battery as much as they can themselves. For Castillo, though, maybe the job is, is a little bit double in that the White Sox really do have a lot of confidence, it seems, in Zach Collins, who was a first-round pick two drafts ago. He'll likely be in the double-A mix when we start the 2018 season. And in Sebi Zavala, who actually we talked with in last week's show. You can go check out the podcast there and hear a small conversation with Sebi. 
He's come a long way defensively. He hit for a lot of pop, and Rick Hahn mentioned on that same conference call we were just talking about that Sebi's put himself right in the conversation of, you know, guys to watch for, guys to look at in this White Sox organization. And as, you know, you look for a long-term catcher, perhaps there's a bit of a battle there. That wouldn't be a terrible thing for the White Sox, certainly at any position, especially the catching spot. And if Castillo, who's on the two-year deal with the option for 2020, finds himself playing alongside one of those young White Sox catchers as they come up into the big leagues, perhaps Castillo then becomes a piece that can be moved around some. The White Sox in signing Wellington have not put themselves in any concrete position, save that they've added a quality major league bat and a guy who knows his way around uh, a pitching staff and calling a game. And the other free agent the White Sox signed on Friday is Danny Farquhar. Farquhar gets a one-year deal for a little over a million dollars. Pitched fairly well for the White Sox last season, and you know we've, we've mentioned it before, but uh, we'll, we'll say it again. When Danny Farquhar came up into the White Sox bullpen, which was August 20th of last season, all the big arms had been traded. Tommy Canely, David Robertson, Swarzak, Jennings, the whole boat had been gone. And as the White Sox had turned to Juan Manaya to close some games and, you know, looking at Gregory Infante to pitch some setup innings, they, they, they were taxing some guys whose experience was pretty low on the totem pole. And while some of those arms were able to get through some tough spots, Farquhar, when he was added, gave Ricky Renneria an option. You know, a veteran arm that you could throw into a tight spot and just just kind of not have to worry. He, in a total of 14 and a third innings, gave up um, in total seven earned runs, a 4.4 ERA. Notable, though, that um, only two outings of his were a multi-runs. He got beat up pretty good, didn't record an out against the Indians on the sixth. Two earned runs there, two walks. He, in two-thirds of an inning, gave up two runs against the Royals. So, you know, two bad outings in essentially 15 games. Farquhar is a guy that, that the White Sox think they can trust a little bit. And as Rick Hahn has said, that perhaps the biggest challenge of this offseason is going to be rebuilding a bullpen that had quite the hole shot through it in trades. You could do far worse than Danny Farquhar, and hopefully Farquhar in his age, what will be his age 31 season, is a guy who proves reliable, and, and who knows? Perhaps he's the next bullpen arm. The White Sox are able to move on for some more future assets. That's certainly something that Rick Hahn has mentioned is an area they could perhaps um, speculate in. You know, relievers that uh, kind of fluctuate in performance, but you catch a little fire, you're able to spin them off for perhaps a player or two later on down the line. Now, while those two were the headliners Friday afternoon, Wellington Castillo and Danny Farquhar, the White Sox non-tendered four different players. Uh, by now, you likely know their names, and some of them aren't that surprising. Some of them, though, you know, perhaps are. Three of them are relievers. Al Albuquerque, Zach Putnam, and Jake Petrishka were all non-tendered late on Friday, just before the 7 o'clock deadline. Infielder slash outfielder Alan Hansen was also non-tendered. The White Sox 40-man roster, as it sits right now, is at 36, four empty spots. And that's with, I am including already, uh, the signings of Castillo and Farquhar. So those two are in there. The White Sox with four spots on the 40-man roster, and you would expect an addition here or there. 
you know, we've been talking quite a bit this offseason about the White Sox adding a arm in the rotation, perhaps, and giving themselves some options there. And uh, certainly, as we've talked about, the bullpen is an area of need, too. We'll get into those four, Putnam, Patricia, Albuquerque, and Alan Hansen, who were all non-tendered after the break. So stay with us. Sox fans, it's never too early, though, to lock in a 2018 ticket package. Full and partial ticket plans are available, including a lower-level 10-game plan starting at $217. Take advantage of great benefits like discounted pricing and flexible payment plans. For more information, call 312-674-1000. Again, 312-674-1000 or visit WhiteSox.com. I'm Connor McKnight. More White Sox Weekly on the way. WLS in December. Glad you're with us. Jonesing for baseball. I know I am. Sox fans, though, you can sign up for SoxFest 2018 right now to receive a Hawk Harrelson talking bobblehead. The exclusive giveaway item is only available through SoxFest hotel packages. Join us January 26th through January 28th for a weekend of White Sox baseball you won't want to miss. Hotel packages are available now at whitesox.com slash SoxFest. That's whitesox.com slash SoxFest. Uh, when we left for the break, we were just getting into the four non-tenders for the White Sox. That news given to us right about 7 o'clock on Friday night. And now that we've had a chance to chew on it, mull it over just a little bit, um, I, I think some of them make quite a bit of sense. Some of them are, quite frankly, tough to swallow, but seemingly, you know, still some makes sense kind of okay you know all right i understand it 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 sucks if you're jake patrishka or if you're zach putnam and and you're non-tendered like this and those were two of the names it's i'll recap them for you albuquerque who was signed real late in the season by the white Sox uh and thrown into a bullpen that had been you know taken apart by trades i don't think it's really any surprise that al albuquerque wasn't given a 40-man roster spot um over the off season for the white Sox in the bullpen uh, the other name, Alan Hansen, who we'll deal with real quickly here. He was picked up off waivers from the Pirates uh, June 9th by the White Sox. He played a little left. He played a little center. He played second base a time or two. Uh, a former top 10 guy for the Pirates. And, you know, the White Sox were just looking to, you know, add a little young talent, see if anything stuck. There were some flashes for Hansen, but overall, a, a 231 average, a 276 on base, a 375 slugging percentage, never quite took to the outfield. Though with his speed, which is preposterous, just tons of it, you know, you could see a little bit more work out there uh, from Alan Hansen, perhaps translating into, uh, you know, he's just 25, translating into. Maybe a fourth outfielder type, certainly a guy who uses that speed to make the defense work. You started to see him play left, uh, I should say right field, a lot better in the last handful of games rather than the first handful for Alan Hansen. Uh, fun guy to have in the clubhouse. I know we got along well with a few in there, with a number of guys in there, really. Um, so Alan Hansen has been non-tendered. Really, the two that kind of strike out the White Sox, I guess the hardest and it's because of injury, are Jake Patrishka and Zach Putnam, both being non-tendered by the White Sox. For both, injuries had really kind of popped up, especially in the last two seasons or so for Zach Putnam. Only eight and two-thirds innings out of the bullpen for the White Sox in 2017, that after only logging 27 and a third. Elbow issues had popped up for Zach over and over again, and when he'd been healthy, 
he'd been really, really good. And even this season, you know, as the White Sox bullpen leapt out to such a great start with guys like Canely and Robertson and Swarzak all pitching really well, Zach Putnam threw a handful of real good games in April, but you know the elbow issues just weren't something he could overcome. The strikeouts had gone down from you know, 11.8 in 2015. Uh, down to 9.9, down to 9.3. Still, though, the walks were coming down. And, you know, for Zach, a guy who uh, who relies on that splitter-sinker kind of combo and, and had been kind of adamant in, in being asked about whether that pitch selection, that repertoire, was something that strained the elbow perhaps unnecessarily, he, he really defended those pitches and, and his use of them. Uh, so hopefully, well, certainly all the best to Zach in, in his health and recovery. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he can show a clean bill of health to somebody. He'll get picked up and added. Putnam, uh, for what it's worth, too, would always teach certainly me a lesson and, and White Sox fans a lesson if you were watching spring training. Putnam, one of those guys who would never have a good spring, and that's because of what he was throwing and where he was throwing it in Phoenix. You move that around to other locations, you know, you get the air a little bit thicker, something to bite, and you learn that a guy like Putnam who certainly knows how to pitch and knows how his stuff is going to work. Spring training doesn't mean everything, I should say, for some players, to be sure. Jake Patrishka, a kid who was pulled up in the 2013 season to make his major league debut, uh, worked out of the bullpen for the White Sox. He finished three games, and then in 2014 asked to save games, close, in fact, 14 saves when the White Sox really needed him out of that bullpen. Uh, for Jake, a hip injury had led to uh, a few more injuries, it seemed, and just wasn't able to get back and be 100%. He, In, in coming back for the White Sox, I want to say yeah, late in the 2017 season, couple outings in the middle of August hit hard by the Blue Jays, by the Astros, the Dodgers twice, and then the Tigers, too. He just seemed to find the middle of the plate a lot with the fastball. And, you know, for a guy who relied on a sinker, something that dropped, just wasn't quite getting the the break on it, the command on it that we'd seen before. Patricia overall in 2017, a few more innings to work with than Putnam, 25 and two-thirds, but... An ERA over seven, a whip of 175, a lot of hits and a lot of walks, although the strikeouts were at 9.1 for Jake Patrishka. He has been non-tendered as well. So while the White Sox look to shore up that bullpen, they have uh, dismissed three guys that were at times parts of it in 2017 in Al Albuquerque, in Jake Patrishka, and in Zach Putnam. So it seems as though we didn't know it already, right? that that bullpen has, is going to go through even more changes from the beginning of 2017 into you know, the beginning of 2018. It might be that no bullpen sees more churn than the White Sox from year to year. White Sox still have Nate Jones to add back in once he's healthy and recovered, and certainly there's hope that he will be just that, healthy and recovered and throwing flames out of the bullpen for the Sox again. Um, but there will be, I think, additions. I mentioned it earlier the 40-man roster with the signing of Wellington Castillo and Danny Farquhar and the non-tenders of the four guys we mentioned sits at 36. So there are four spots available on that 40-man roster, and certainly uh, it may be that arms are the players added. we got the 1230 news coming up, so we're going to take a quick break for that. And when we get back, 
will continue the review preview series we've been running all season. We are in left field today. Looking forward to going through that with you here on White Sox Weekly. You've got WLS AM 890. The Chicago White Sox. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on WLS AM 890. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox games are better with a group. Group events are perfect for clients, employees, celebrating or fundraising. Bring your group of 10 or more for a great experience with specially priced tickets. It's never too early to start planning 2018. For more information, call 312-674-6330 or visit WhiteSox.com. And we have put our off-season series on the back burner long enough. It is the Review Preview Series. We, we're working on a better name, but that's the one we're sticking with. We've gone all the way around the diamond or are going all the way around the diamond and reviewing the 2017 season and previewing the 2018 season position by position as best we can. Put it off for a couple of weeks, had some interviews to get to from the Arizona Fall League. We had our oral history show in which we talked about El Duque getting out of a bases loaded jam against the Red Sox in 2005. But we're back at it now, and we have landed in the outfield for the first time in our review preview series. We're in left field, the seven spot, where obviously, you know, we've got two guys to talk about primarily, the veteran who is no longer with the White Sox and brought back a pretty good return. I, I want to give Melky Cabrera his due in this part in the show. And then the young man, Nicky Delmonico, who came up and in his first handful of games was nothing short of terrific, flagged a little bit after a wrist injury, set him on the DL, and needed a little time to get back into things, quite literally back into the swing of things. Oh, I hope you'll forgive the pun. But Delmonico showed you something, showed... Ricky Renneria, the manager of the White Sox, something last season. So those are the two guys we'll primarily concern ourselves with in this edition of the review preview series. We're going to get to some bigger prospects as we scope around the outfield a little bit. We're going to delve into some of the left field prospects here. But in case you've forgotten, the White Sox in 2017 doled out playing time in left pretty heavily to Melky Cabrera. 787 innings in total to the switch hitting sometimes two hitters, sometimes five hitters, sometimes three hitter. Melky Cabrera had to do quite a bit in his career with the White Sox. And I think primarily that was because of a lack of options in the lineup around him. Melky signed, obviously, for that 2015 season, an offseason in which the White Sox had really pressed the gas pedal through the floor, but things didn't quite pan out especially for Melky in the first half of his first year within the south side. It was uh, it was a rough start for Melky. There's no two ways around it. 2016 and really even the second half of 2015 saw him rebound to essentially career norms. And in 2017, in 98, almost 100 games with the White Sox, 400 plate appearance, 400 at bats, a 295 average, a 336 on base, a 436 slugging percentage. And while the range from Melky, never all that great with the White Sox, he was certainly more than a capable outfielder, a guy who could throw to the bases incredibly well, uh, a bunch of assists from Melky in this last season. And when the White Sox decided to trade him on the July 30th of last year, right up to the deadline, 
I remember talking to Ricky Renneria, White Sox manager, for a couple of days, all of us down there in the dugout before games, four or five days leading up to that trade, Melky going to the Kansas City Royals. And, and Ricky was asked a couple of times if he was surprised that Melky was still on the White Sox. You know, and given the moves that have already been made, Ricky was quick to say, yeah, I'm pretty shocked about it. And that's got nothing to do with Melky's ability to play baseball, or, or perhaps it had everything to do with it. The White Sox were in a spot where they were looking to unload players. Melky was playing about as good as you could ask. And the Royals finally made the move to pick up the switch hitting outfielder and try and solidify a, a kind of a run to the playoffs. And while that didn't end up happening for the Royals, the White Sox got a couple of prospects back in the Melky Cabrera deal. Both of them pitchers. Uh, one of them, A.J. Puckett, a right-hander who was at high A Winston-Salem for the most part last season. Well, when he played with the White Sox, he was. Um, a solid guy, 22-year-old right-hander. He's going to pitch at that 23, age 23 season. A good changeup, good fastball. Still looking for, I suppose, Put away pitches, though that changeup seems to work off of it. Just uh, taking a look at uh, work as a, a put away pitch. Just kind of looking at some of the some of the scouting reports. Big dude, so you you hope that you know that kind of size can I don't know be evaluated or be stretched into a, into a starter. Uh, the general consensus on him, I suppose, is kind of back end of the rotation kind of guy, which is certainly a a quality return. For a guy like Melky Cabrera, who was a rental for the 2017 for the rest of the 2017 season with the Royals, 2018 he's an unrestricted free agent. That said, the trade of Melky Cabrera allowed Nicky Delmonico to well flourish, I guess. Pretty impressive stuff from the get-go from Delmonico, and and while his AAA career wasn't well i shouldn't say his triple a career but his triple a 2017 wasn't necessarily spectacular you know right around the 260 mark right around the 360 mark on base percentage and some decent pop Domonico was able to do just about that at the major league level finished the year a 262 hitter 373 on base 482 slugging percentage he came up August 1st, made his debut. He popped a home run at Fenway for his first Major League homer. Uh, in his first month of play, his first 22 games, we're talking the month of August, 307, 429, 573. He really showed out in that first month. A little bit of a hiccup with the wrist injury that we mentioned. September, a little bit of a downturn for the kid. 212, 307, 379. Uh, certainly some of it was getting back and healthy. Certainly some of it was pitchers getting a bit of a book on him. But Delmonico, in my mind, impressed the most because even though he's not, didn't come up with the pedigree that Eloy Jimenez will come up with when he gets to the major leagues, or even that Reynaldo Lopez or Lucas Giolito came up with when they arrived at the White Sox. And I, I know it's a little different for pitchers than it is for hitters, but you know, Delmonico seemed to have a plan at the plate. And what I mean by that is, you know, you didn't see flailing in every single at-bat. Certainly there's, you know, there's, there's a game against Corey Kluber. I think it's his second game back off the disabled list with the wrist injury, and Kluber made him look foolish. That's going to happen regardless of how long you've been in the league, especially the way Kluber powered through the second half of his year. What you saw mostly, I think, from Delmonico is a really good understanding of what he can hit, what he knows he can hit, 
and how to go ahead and attack the strike zone, attack his pitch. That's something that doesn't automatically happen for big league players when they uh, arrive at this level. That's something I was impressed to see out of Delmonico. Defensively, a little bit of a different story. Um, I admire the kid's guts. I really do. There's not much, it seems, that's going to keep him down. You remember in left field in Fenway, his, the game in which he homered for his first for the first time in his career, he made a rough misplay on a fly ball out to left. Now, granted, that left field has that giant green wall, and it's you know it's a tough place to play, but Delmonico let it get behind him, sprinted over to the baseball, got it in, was able to have a good plate appearance after that. And, you know, I, I think left field is getting better for Delmonico. He's a worker. He has gotten some pretty good reviews from people on the coaching staff, and I think there's a, a light, perhaps, that could flick on for Delmonico and maybe lead him to being a, uh, a major league average left fielder, defensively speaking. There's going to be some first base, I think, for Delmonico in the 2018 season. There's going to be some DH for sure for Delmonico in 2018. But I think primarily White Sox fans can be kind of excited while they're obviously Yuan Mankata is, you know, kind of going to be everything to watch in his first full season next year. There are going to be other bats, and I think Nicky Delmonico is one of them, or even early on in the season, that are going to be kind of fun to watch and see how he adjusts to Major League Pitching having a look at him as a regular in the White Sox lineup, which is something I think he'll be. A couple of these players, a couple more players in left field for the White Sox last season we'll deal with maybe more in center field. I'm talking about Lurie Garcia, who played 185 and a third innings in left in 2017. I'm going to use executive powers here and hold on to Lurie for center field probably next week. Reimer Liriano played 86 innings for the White Sox in left field. Willie Garcia played 73, part of the all-three Garcia outfield. A ton of fun to watch happen. Garcia, Garcia, and Garcia from left to right. I think Willie, as he's kind of recovered from, you know, the jaw surgery and whatnot, has a chance, perhaps, to be on the 25-man roster. Though, with Delmonico having arrived and, you know, kind of a kind of a question in center field, with the exception of Lurie Garcia, roster space could be a little tight also getting a little time in left was alan hansen who we talked about earlier hansen was non-tendered by the white Sox friday night so one more guy to talk about here might be ryan cordell he was picked up from the brewers in the anthony swarzak trade if you remember all the way back to that part of the season Cordell, an outfielder, center fielder, some decent speed, it sounds like, from Cordell. A guy who played a little left field, too. He will play in his age 26 season for most of next year. He's uh, born on the end of March, March 31st, so he's 25 now. will be 26 for basically all of next season. Played a little right, played a little left, played a little center. And in 2017, in the Colorado Springs team, it's the AAA affiliate for the Brewers, a 284 hitter, a 349 on base, and a 506 slugging. Now, some of those, you know, PCL is a place to hit, and Colorado Springs is certainly elevated. So we'll, we'll see what the slugging percentages really look like for Ryan Cordell. But, you know, on the outside chance that he does make a roster or that, you know, some churn kind of lets him find some time there, the White Sox certainly were able to make a trade for a guy who seems on the cusp 
of participating at the major league level. So Ryan Cordell is a guy that may get some run in the outfield. Certainly in spring training, see him vying for a job down there in Glendale. That's the nuts and bolts of left field for the White Sox, especially as it leads to 2018. I think it's a lot of Nicky Delmonico, and rightly so. The guy earned his playing time there. Uh, Sox do have a number of pro- – uh, maybe you're asking, you know, where are some of the prospects? Where's your Luis Alexander Basabe? Where's your Micah Adolfo? Where's your Alex Call? I, I think we're going to go into the center and mostly, you know, right field kind of discussions. I think center and right are, are going to be – the next two weeks, I, I think, and longer discussions about both of those positions because with the amount of guys that could feasibly play center field for the White Sox in 2018, not just Lurie Garcia, but more, and with the prospect that's there, Luis Robert and others, same for right field. You know, there's Avi Garcia there for now, and, you know, with the Jose Abreu conversation they had earlier in the show, I think White Sox fans are well aware of of those two, Jose Abreu and Avi Garcia, and what they may or may not mean for the White Sox in 2018. But there's a big-time prospect there in right in Eloy Jimenez, and we're going to have a lot of conversation about that young man in the next couple of weeks. Keep it right here. We've got more White Sox Weekly on the way. But before we hit the break, if you're looking for just the right gift for that young ball player in your life, The Bulls Sox Youth Academy is hosting holiday baseball and basketball camps for boys and girls ages 5 to 14. Combination sport camps are available in multiple locations. Come join the fun this holiday season. Call 630-PLAY-BALL or visit BullsSoxAcademy.com for more information. I'm Connor McKnight. Closing things up here on White Sox Weekly. Can you believe it? We have already whipped through... Nearly an hour of White Sox talk here with you this afternoon. Uh, real quick, you can give the perfect gift, the biggest Sox fan in your life during the fan experience sale. Experiences that you can get in on include on-field access during batting practice, change the base, and more. All experiences include game tickets and VIP perks. For more information, call 312-674-5396 or email Experience at whitesox.mlb. Dot com today. So before we get out of here, one thing that I yeah I, I wanted to get this I didn't mean to bury it in the last part of the show. It certainly deserves a little bit more than that. But with the you know concrete additions of players and and non tendering of guys and the review preview series that we got to get in on, I, I felt like stacking those things toward the beginning of the show was a little bit more important. There were reports. Uh, John Heyman of FanRag Sports had this uh, earlier about the middle of this past week that the White Sox and Red Sox were in active talks about first baseman Jose Abreu. I don't think this should surprise any White Sox fans, though a move, a trade, an actual, you know, physical thing certainly could be ruled as surprising. I guess I see it like this. Nobody would be surprised that the White Sox are looking at all of their options in recouping younger talent for some of the older talent they have. They've put their cards on the table, right? The Jose Quintana trade was well choreographed since after the Chris Sale trade was made. I I think, you know, you knew how these things really were going to go. It's just a matter of marketplaces. The The right marketplace had to present itself for Q, just as in order to move Jose Abreu, the right marketplace has to present itself for Jose. 
how you value these players, and I'm talking, of course, about Jose Abreu and Avisel Garcia. I, I think, you know, maybe fairly or unfairly here on the show in the last couple of weeks, we've lumped them together because they both have two years left of control. They're different in a lot of real and pretty easily ascertainable ways. Jose Abreu has produced his entire major league career. He's coming off an absolutely fantastic season at first base. He's a little bit older on the spectrum, on the player spectrum. He's you know going to play in his 31 season. Avi Garcia kind of exploded onto the scene last year, a first-time all-star after a somewhat disappointing handful of years after being acquired from the Tigers. So clearly they're different guys. But for sake of uh, you know the White Sox making any kind of you know big-time moves off their roster, those are really the, the two guys you would point to to perhaps bringing back the largest return. That said, finding the concrete set marketplace for both those guys, and really for the reasons we just gave you, is going to be really difficult. I think they might be, it might be that those two are more important to the White Sox now than they might be to any other team. That's not to say that they couldn't increase their values. Certainly another first half, the way Avi Garcia played his first half last year, would be incredible and really kind of, I think, raise some eyebrows and make other teams look around. Jose Abreu, you know, playing like that second half into the first half this year, I think that changes things too. I think for both of those guys, if indeed the White Sox are looking at moving on, if they're looking at making trades and recouping younger players, it seems as though the marketplace might be a little bit better toward the deadline than it is right now. I know that's the easy and perhaps conservative way, safe way to play it, but it seems to me that that those, those marketplaces might present themselves better later than they would right now. Uh, just my two cents on it, and, and I guess, again, I wouldn't be surprised to hear those two names in maybe more reports as this winter goes on and as the GM meetings convene. That's the job of Rick Hahn at this point is to figure out that market value based on what other teams might be willing to pay for one, both, or any of those players. That does it for us on the show this afternoon. Thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week. Of course, we'll deal with center field. We'll talk a lot about the GM meetings. As always, you can download the podcast, WLSAM.com slash White Sox. That's the website. Head there, download it, listen to it whenever you want. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful Sunday. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on WLS AM 890.